Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish tech news. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the crypto hipster, where I interview founders, thought leaders, entrepreneurs for the crypto corner. Um, And today I have an absolutely amazing guest. Um, And we're just talking and saying this is probably the furthest uh, time difference I have uh, yet. And I'm really excited to see what she's up to. Um, My guest name is Caroline Bowler. She is the CEO of BTC Markets in uh, Victoria. And um, Caroline, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. What a a thrill. Very welcome. Uh, I'm excited about this. Um, So let me me ask you the first question, uh, kick things off, is is what is your background and is it a logical background for what you do now? Oh, so I started off in working for a private client stockbroker in Dublin, originally back in the day and learned there the basic flows of a financial services system. And my first project was working on the dematerialization of stock certificates into digital format. And I kind of like to say that I've basically been reproducing that same project for the entirety of my career of bringing people on the journey of going from what was, you know, what sort of was the gold standard of how to do things into the new paradigm. Um, and so worked for a broker and then moved into an investment banking world, moved into IB and worked with them in Dublin and in Singapore. So it was in Asia for about 10 years. And it was there that I started getting into, originally into fintech and then into um, blockchain. I mean, at the time in Singapore as well, we're talking about like 2014, 2015. So really quite new. So there's an awful lot. I mean, it, Ethereum was barely coming through. Um, and I can remember I met Vitalik at an event in Singapore all those years ago, back when, you know, back in the day. So um, kind of cut my teeth there. And the Singapore community was fantastic for um, for being really open to people saying, I don't know. I don't know the answer to these questions. I want to learn. I want to find out. It was such a supportive environment. Um, and I loved it. So I'm not really surprised to see how much it's flourished and how it's become such a hub regionally, um, particularly in Southeast Asia, with, with all of the, the fantastic things that they do there. But the community itself, the grassroots efforts that they put in to build that out is, is a testament to the Singapore Fintech Association, to the Blockchain Association, to accessing different bodies that, that, that exist there. So it kind of translated quite well, actually, that, that traditional finance, because particularly since I suppose the first real use cases of of crypto have been centered around the financial services. Um, and so kind of a natural evolution along. But but I like to think, and, and certainly when we're looking to make our hires at B2C markets, I'm not necessarily looking at somebody's CV and going, okay, great, you know, tick all the box exercise in terms of crypto experience or financial services, even to, to some degree. What I'm looking for is um is curiosity, but also the ability to this was do your own research in the parlance of the industry, but to take it on and go, okay, great. I'm really curious about this subject. Let me learn more about it because, uh, and that's the wonderful part, even though, you know, we're 10 plus years on now, it's, 
it's still so new and there's still so much more coming through that there's 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 room for everybody so so it's that curiosity and that ability to to drive drive it yourself and not always be waiting for somebody else to give you the answers because as you well know Jamil there's not nobody really knows what the answers are in a lot of cases and we're breaking new ground all the time and I suspect probably you know in traditional finance you don't tend to break new ground at the certainly at the speed that you do in 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 the crypto community so um that certainly didn't stand me well <laughs> the ability to change but but yeah I think it's more there's other skills there's other qualities that's what leads to success in in crypto and in blockchain not necessarily the book learning or, or previous you know professional experience I agree. I, I interviewed somebody once. He said that it's a it's a combination of book smarts, street smarts, and being the town jester. So that's a great record. Yeah. <laughs> so let's try for that. <laughs> so let's let me ask you um, what is BTC Markets all about? Uh, and what do you what do you do well? So we have been around since 2013, based here in Melbourne, Victoria, and Australia, as you say. And I suppose we're one of the OGs in, in Australian crypto, if I can be so bold. I wasn't the one of the founders, but um, but they've been around for a long time. And I think that that our special source is probably the technology that sits on us. Our API is, you know, a peer of our global of our global competitors, um, and our reliability and our speed. And and that counts particularly when you're looking at volatility in a marketplace. Um, and that, that speed to market is really important. What we've also done really early is around actually around compliance. And I know that sounds quite, we, we, I would describe ourselves as relatively risk averse for an industry that's very strong on risk. Um, and so one of the first hires that, that the founders brought in was actually in risk and compliance because we understood that we're going to be dealing with people's money and identities and hopes and dreams and you need to be able to build a framework around that leveraging what already existed from traditional finance and bring that into crypto here in here in australia so all of our all of our clients have all passed aml and kyc checks and i know people can be a bit you know grumbly about well why do i have to do this and i can understand from a technical point of view yes it it, it, it seems cumbersome but from a from a self protection point of view, I think it's really important locking down what who you are, what your identity is, the proof of that identity. Um, you know, ascertains your own ownership around the assets, but also prevents others from taking over your identity and, and coming in. Because we've seen a lot of that, as I'm sure you know, every exchange and every bank worldwide has seen around those identity theft pieces. So there is a, there is an element of protection around that K, KYC AML thing, and and that kind of follows through. I mean, when when I came in. What I really liked about that BTC markets was that exact approach. Because I mean, when, we, when I first started talking to BTC markets, it must have been, I want to say maybe 2016, when I was still in Singapore and I just opened up a company in, in Melbourne and, and we were having some conversations. And you could see then that their approach was one of, we want to make sure that we can provide the most safe, secure, reliable, fast access point for Australians to, to get into crypto. And back in 2016, it was quite a different, as you remember, I mean, it was quite a different time. It was still, 
dare I say it, a bit of a Wild West vibe still going on. There was a lot of unsurety, even, even in something as what now so mundane as trading in, in Bitcoin. Even back in those days, it was still like concerns around scams and reliability of platforms and you know wallets and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's been that's been their main focus. And I really appreciated that that that's where that's how they looked at it. They wanted to make sure that they got the best for our local um, crypto investors. And that's been something that we've tried to do really ever since. I, I, but I think too, like, you know, the last couple of years here, here in Melbourne, we've been under a, a prolonged lockdown. And whatever about people's views around, around lockdowns, we did spend two years working from our kitchen tables. And that's, that's where I speak to you now, is like sitting on my own kitchen table. And, um, and in that time, we really had to kind of go back to basics and re reorientate the business for what we see as the future. And it was already well and good to just be doing like regular spot trading, for, you know, for crypto um, for the previous seven years. But it's like, okay, how are we orientating it for the future? And I think probably for people here in Australia, they've been going, God, what B2C market's been up to the last two years. But what we've been doing is replumbing, is rewiring the deck, getting it ready so that we can really take advantage through partnerships and other opportunities that, that we're going to be unfurl unfurling. But to, to almost, uh, I mean, the business has said, you know, go backwards to go forwards. And, and that's what we've had to do. Um, and I feel like we're, we're kind of pulling the, pulling the covers off now for all these different really cool and exciting projects. So, so you know, the, my mantra to the team this year has been one of experimentation and get out there and really get your hands dirty, particularly in, in, in the developer side. You know, on the developer side, we've got blockchain developers on our team. Like, why we should be doing more cool and exciting things with those guys um and let them get their hands dirty so so yes yeah, so that's us in a nutshell in a very long nutshell very cool very cool yeah um there are still some 2017 mentality things that i that i do still for you know when, when you're self-custody you have to <laughs> so um so you you are a sponsor of the australia blockchain week right um what are you looking forward to the most and what goals do you have as the sponsor awesome so that blockchain week is going to be huge um i'm also on the board of blockchain australia so i kind of get the bird's eye view of what's happening behind the scenes so i probably know more than is public at the moment but i do know that today they announced that the app is going to come in and be the um opening day speaker so um that's going to be absolutely fascinating to hear from the FTX view, you know, what's happening. I, I think everybody in the industry has to look to FTX for their technology and, and what they've done with their business. I have to say, I did laugh quite heartily at their recent trolling that they've been doing on their social channels. I don't know if you've seen it with their, with their, their halftime ad. I thought that was excellent and laughed and giggled away. And then I also saw that the trolling they've done Coinbase God bless the speed of their social media turnaround. But I digress. I digress. And um, for us for Blockchain Week, so this is going to be, I think, really pivotal. Part of the discussions that have been happening here in Australia have been around the industry really battling to try and get regulation, proportionate regulation, as part of the national discussion. We're held back because of the current existing uh, or lack thereof of framework around our asset class. So the large scale investors have difficulties because there's no on and off ramp for them because we haven't got this piece in place. 
it's very challenging to get insurance. Deep banking is a constant plague. So all these things need to, to come through from, from leg legislation. And while, yes, that's happening now, we've got in the last six months, we've gotten particular politicians locally to be really engaged about it. If anything, I think Blockchain Week here in Australia is going to be a show of force. It's going to be a show of exactly how deep this industry is internationally as well as locally. There's a lot of homegrown talent, immutable, the guys that are Sydney, fantastic, synthetics, that's another Sydney project um, that have come through, I mean, well-known projects in, in, in the global landscape and, in, um, and have been around for a couple of years, particularly in the crypto term, practically granddads. Um, so it's about showcasing what those businesses have done, what those opportunities are, how we can explore it. But as I say, bringing in really top quality international speakers to come in and explain to, to the Australian industry and broader um, exactly what the opportunity is. The important thing with Blockchain Week is that it is free. The content is free. Anyone can access it. It'll be available online. And I think that's a really important point. This, this, this whole festival, this whole event is supposed to be about generating knowledge and sharing it as widely as possible. This isn't a for-profit event. Um, and, and it's been run, as they say here, on the smell of an oily rag, but they've managed to get together this wonderful pantheon of speakers because everybody is so excited about the opportunity to share and talk about what we're doing. And, and for us at, at BC Markets, our, our involvement in particular is around, because we're here in Melbourne, we're hosting the um, the Melbourne event, the after party on the Wednesday, which we're really excited about. We were doing some lots of fun things around that. But that whole stream is going to be all a whole day dedicated to NFTs, a whole day dedicated to exploring the metaverse and what that's about. I and mean, we'll be involved in other conversations, particularly around DCEs, around regulation, you know, and others. But I think for us, that for me personally, that's the one I'm most excited about. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the FTX ad. We love, in my house, we love the Larry David show. And the very fact that they got him to don't be like Larry, that was that was amazing. Uh, so I want to ask you about this. You mentioned the Metaverse, right? Uh, Metaverse Fashion Week uh, is occurring the week of March 24th. And I want to find out what the significance of this event is in relation to 22. Like I've heard 22 being called, I think maybe it was you. Who said that 2022 is going to be the year of the metaverse? So I want to find out more about that fashion week and how it ties into being the, the year of the metaverse. Well, I think what, any of these incursions into mass popular appeal, like the mass cultural appeal, are fantastic. I think for a long time, crypto was and blockchain was kind of pushed to the periphery and and not understood and not needed to be understood because we can nicely box this off over here and then you get something that captures the zeitgeist in the way that nfts have done in the metaverse more broadly and and suddenly it explodes in a stream of color and confetti and it's like right now try and stop it now try and, and and put this genie back in the bottle. It's impossible. And and so, I mean, if it has to be NFTs that, that, that broke it, then so be it, if that's actually fine by me. If it has to be the metaverse, likewise, more power to it. If it's going to bring, if it's going to join the dots for people, if people are going to start to understand and, and not be so put off by 
what has been you know, a drumbeat of negativity at times coming out of mainstream media around what this is, um, around what blockchain and cryptocurrency more broadly are going to be. The fact that there's going to be a metaverse fashion week to me is just absolutely wonderful. I think that 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 exploring this cultural side of what this technology about because fundamentally that's what people really engage with um i i think is absolutely wonderful um and i i really hope it's going to be as um cutting edge and as avant-garde as real life fashion shows can be i hope they really push the envelope because they've got such a broad canvas in which to have just a wave of time um by people far more talented than i will ever be or dream of being in, in that kind of world so I was going to ask you also, what, what can't metaverses do? Well, I think probably the first thing you can't do is it can't solve world hunger. <laughs> and and but about, as I say, I reckon in a couple of months' time, somebody will come back with an answer for that one. I think um, that rather than looking at it as a uh, what can't it do, I, I, I just remember the time when I was in high school or secondary school so in Ireland and then into university when the internet and email first came through. And people were really reluctant to use a platform such as email because they're going, okay, I can just use a phone, I can just ring my friend. Um, how can I trust it if I send these documents through the post, uh, through email that it will get there? Will it be hacked? All those same concerns that we kind of see in every cycle of tech innovation and tech change. But if somebody had said to me back in 1996, when I was sitting in a uh, you know, college, computer laboratory looking at a, a tv screen uh, looking at a video camera on a computer to to another one at the other end of the lab that this would be commonplace and i'd now be talking to you across these insane time zones i would never have thought that was possible but you know now it's so commonplace and i think that that there's this great line there's a there's this huge um not a huge there's this large um statue on apollo street and it says there's a quote from one of the irish um heroes that says uh, you cannot put i'm paraphrasing something like that you cannot put a halt to the mark no man can put a halt to the march of a nation stick with me on this and my point being is that no one person can say these are the boundaries of the metaverse and no further shall it travel and i think that's probably true that well not probably true but it's definitely true I think my imagination is probably too limited right now to even imagine where the metaverse is going to go and where it can take us, let alone, you know, where its boundary lines are actually going to be. Um, and I think that in 1996, if somebody had said, you know, can you describe where the internet is going to be and what it can and cannot do? I would never have been able to envision the power of the internet in the context of the last two years where we've been in a global pandemic and people have been under lockdown and yet the, the power of the internet has saved lives, the power of the internet has brought people closer, it, it has reduced loneliness, it's been able to, to do so much more than we would have been able to do if it hadn't existed. And, and probably without mangling it any further, I imagine that the metaverse is going to change our lives fundamentally in the same manner. I've had guests from 36 countries and um... Yes, it's it's a whole entire communications is flattened. Um, but I also like to think part of it, my being able to communicate with people is my XAIG experience. So I guess it's a combination. Um, and you just said something really interesting. You said metaverse is expansive. And the biggest bashers I hear of the metaverse are the people who work in the space industry. And I'm not quite haven't put two to two together to see what they're actually afraid of. 
But what are the breakthroughs that you think could be, you know, impacted or uh, that you're going to get from metaverse that you haven't been able to get from space? Space. I find it hard to kind of do a pitch battle be between two topics that are so fascinating and so equally mind-blowing. I mean, when you look at, I mean, I've got a very, very basic understanding of physics. God bless the Irish education system, but we didn't do a lot around space. But, but as an adult, then when you start exploring what quantum physics can do and, and the theories about the universes and the different number of universes and the different number of potential realities, I find it hard that, that somebody who comes from a knowledge place such as that would then start slagging off the metaverse being you know, an impossibility. If anything, it's perhaps, you know, just all those different amazing universes just on a much, much smaller scale because of all the different things that you can do within the metaverse world that potentially theoretically could be happening um, within that theoretical physics and, and, and all the different realities that could potentially exist there. So, and, and both of those topics kind of just absolutely, it's just so fascinating and are just smarter minds than mine are, are working on those topics. but. I would be quite upset to think that somebody who is into space and the universe would, would find limitations within the metaverse and all the possibilities that are there. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm just surprised that they do. Um, so you did say something important there. You said quantum physics. So quantum physics to me, I'm looking at that from a computing perspective and thinking quantum computing, right? But your, your, you know, your exchange is BTC, and they say, you know, um, mostly I, I think, right, um, BTC markets. So I'm thinking you're BTC focused. So how can people trade Bitcoin, do options and futures trading, and do leverage trading, maybe with a little bit of a mindset of quantum uh, or not? Um, how can they do that with your exchange? So right now we are a spot only exchange. So we've got about uh, we've got not about we have 21 trading pairs. About about three of those trading pairs are, are denominated in BTC. But the the bulk of our volume, the bulk of our trading is in Bitcoin because that's when it started, how it, how it started out. And in fact, the founders tell the story about the day that they sat deliberating whether or not to list Ethereum, which you know upon upon reflection is quite quite a funny story. But um, so. For us, part of, like you know, as I was saying earlier, around this need for regulation and proportionate, appropriate regulation is so that we can bring in that wide suite of derivative op opportunities into the Australian ecosystem. Right now, no Aussie exchange has the ability to offer that in crypto. So we are effectively forcefully exporting um, uh, Aussies who want to, you know, properly hedge, etc. We're forcing them to go to overseas exchanges. So that's something that that we're actually looking to do because the rules that they currently exist are written for are written for equities. They're written for traditional finance. They're not written for you know two plus zero immediate settlement. So we need to we need to kind of bring the regulators on that journey with us um, and and try and work out different options that we can to to facilitate that for our, for all of our clients. Um, so I wanna I wanna shift then. We talked about regulation. Um, we talked about um bitcoin you also a member of the delegation to blockchain australia uh, for improving regulation so what initiatives are you currently championing there 
So we were part of the process that started, I think maybe a year ago. Um, I sat on stage at the ASX, which is the largest stock exchange locally here in Australia. And on one side of me, I had Senator Bragg, and on the other side of me, I had titans of industry um, uh, that were part of this discussion. And I openly said to him, please, Senator, please regulate me. And I think that, you know, he was already part of a process of looking at fintech and the opportunities. Um, but, I, you know, it's not my voice alone that did it, but it was one of many voices that were saying to him, this industry needs regulation. We can't do it ourselves. We need the help. But there's also the potential of, you know, looking after Australian um, consumers because they need legal protection around crypto, which doesn't currently exist. And while us, you know, there's a few of us that are that have been around a long time and have a good reputation, you know, that's what we want. But there are others that, that maybe have, you know, more nefarious intentions. So we need to have regulation to protect. So since then, there has been a number of submissions to a Senate inquiry into this topic. A report was um, commissioned and produced at the end of last year, towards the tail end of last year. And among the recommendations, which includes um, a regulatory framework for um, digital currency ex um, exchanges such as SLs would have to be regulated appropriately. What was really interesting was a recommendation to explore the status of DAOs within Australian um, business law. As far as we know right now, the only real place that's actively legally look, like looking at it from a legal point of view would be Wyoming in the US was probably the, the, the flag bearer on that one. And for us to, as an industry, to go from a standing start of we can't, you know, bang it on the door to within, you know, nine months having something as audacious as looking at DAOs, which I mean, really blew our mind. Um, it was fantastic. It was really so encouraging to see that, and this was cross-party. There was wasn't just one particular party that was championing this. Was cross-party that they were looking at it, going, okay, there's a real opportunity here, and something that we can um, actively explore and future-proof. Since then, there have been um, IRSL, you know, myself as part of BC Markets and, and as a member of Blockchain Australia, have been involved in discussions and consultations with government bodies, um, particularly in the, coming up to the tail end of last year and into this year. I've had been on two um, panels submitting information through to Senator Bragg and other um, government ministers here. So there. So with that, it's not necessarily just a talking shop. I'm talking about a lot of discussions, but the point is, is that they're out there actively engaging with the community and a cross section of the community to formulate the best potential legal response or regulatory response um, and trying to future proof. Because if you look at, say, what the European Union have done, and I, and I have to say when they submitted, when they put out their, um, their proposed regulation, I thought it was excellent in that they went, okay, we are going to look to regulate innovation in rather than innovation out. I think it was a really important mindset saying to they said, this is changing so quickly, we need to leave parameters open for that innovation to, to be safely looked after in the future. And I think that that's a mindset that they're trying to adopt here in Australia, particularly as I say, that ex exploration around DAOs, that's very much saying, okay, we're gonna leave room here for innovation. We're gonna leave room here for change um, and for what is to come. I mean, you know, I don't think anyone can say, okay, you know, we're at the end of it now. It's just going to be the NFTs and Metaverse and it's nothing more new is ever going to come through. Um, but I really respect that that's that, that they've said, okay, right, we'll we'll deal with what we have and leave room for what's to come. Particularly if you look at, I mean, you know, we're a centralized exchange. 
But when you start looking at what the decentralized world, what decentralized finance is going to do, I mean, that's a real head scratcher that they're going to have to get their heads around. And it's a journey. I mean, I've been in this world and more than yourself for a number of years. And we've, we've had the luck of being able to watch this universe unfurl in front of our eyes. And even though it's at such a pace, but for somebody who's now coming in cold and coming at it from a legal point of view, that challenge must be must be considerable because it's not just what's happening here in Australia. They have to look at what's happening everywhere else in the world because this is such a, a global industry. Totally agree. Um, you have been interviewed on Bloomberg. I watched the video, right? Uh, and you said that Ethereum plus level twos would be big this year. You know, mm. I'm hoping they're big this year. Um, but you mentioned consolidation opportunities too. And yeah. there are other level ones out there. You know, there's um, there's Avalanche, there's Polkadot, there's a bunch, right? Where do you think the other L1s stand? And do you see consolidation occurring there or do you see multi-chain universe? I would be more inclined to go with multi-chain. I know that there's been a lot recently are talking around, you know, the the, the cross-chain bridges, and we all know about about the troubles that have happened. There's been some issues there without going into it, um, but I think that that's probably. I think those are necessary things that happen. We we it's part of experimentation. It's it's part of what this industry is about. Is about figuring out, making mistakes, working through it trying to to come up with the best possible solution and i think that's that that's the energy that's the captivating part of of working in blockchain and in crypto is the fact that every day there is something new and exciting and and innovative and there's going to be mistakes and they're going to happen and that's unfortunate particularly when people lose lose resources and, and income and so on but but you know that that unfortunately seems to be part of the journey as we get there. So I do think that we will look into a world very soon where there will be um, speedy, safe, you know, effective cross-chain um, transactions. And I think that it, it, the the cream will rise, and that we'll find a purpose and a use case for each of those different um, different chains as they naturally evolve. And you could end up where you have in situations where, you know, either one particular sector of the blockchain economy likes a particular chain or um, countries kind of champion and build their infrastructure on one particular type of chain. You know, that kind of evolution of it as it goes through. I mean, I, I can't say what it could be at this, you know, sitting here at my kitchen table, but that's kind of how I see it happening. Um, I don't think necessarily that we're going to see thousands i don't necessarily think it's going to get to that i think that when we talk about consolidation both kind of within the industry but also within the technology i think that that's most looking at the trends of history that does seem to be how it how it goes um but again we just get this fantastic ringside seat to look at it all it's, it's wonderful and consider these kind of issues i mean that's so exciting that we can legitimately sit around and talk about how cool all this tech is and what it can do it is uh and I believe that you said, I might get this wrong, but you said the crypto could outgrow tourism and energy industries by 2030. Um, and, you know, BTC is considered by many to be an energy industry, not just crypto. But 
where do you see any breakthroughs happening that would make that happen? With well, I'm not, I'm not, I think they probably may have mangled one of my quotes on that one, but I think that even looking at it from an from an Australian point of view, I think tourism is about three percent of our GDP. Um, energy is is more. I know that it, that we we contribute. You know, I think over two percent of the world's energy comes from comes from Australia. But there's no reason to think then that we can't here locally capitalize on something like mining if mining continues bitcoin mining using something like green energy sources um sorry i don't know if you can hear the ambulances just shooting past me it's all, all go here in melbourne um but if if it's um if we look at it from that point of view it's like the infrastructure that needs to be built out around these industries is still so nascent it's still in its formative years we still haven't seen large-scale investment into the industry. So far, it's been it's been that graduated um, money coming. In. I mean, the big money, the 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 institutional money is still yet to come in. And and once that does, I think that's going to be incredibly um, well, obviously transformative, but it's going to also really unharness the innovation that's been held back so far by lack of resources. And it's going to create an environment where people can go, okay, right, so we're going into blockchain, we're going into crypto, let's see how we can really maximize and blow this out to the best of the opportunity. And so things like green technology or other opportunities will suddenly come into the mix. You know, I, I, I have to be bullish on this subject because I, I'm so captivated by it. So I do appreciate that I am perhaps painting, you know, you're using rose tinted glasses to imagine the future. But even just the reality of these investments need to generate a return, they need to be effective, they need to be profitable. And so they're going to look for the best in breed, you know, across the board in terms of the, you know, the other technologies that they use. And I think that certainly sitting here in Australia, that green technology seems to be um, the way forward. Got it. Makes sense to me. Um, so I want to thank you very much for your time today. Um, and it's been an amazing conversation. And um, I have one final question is how can people find out more information about you, about what you do, about BTC Markets does? Um, how can they become a client or customer? How can they get involved and in, in, how can they do that? Well, for starters, I love to hear from people outside of Australia. I love to hear about what's happening in their, in their worlds, in their sphere of influence, in their networks. Um, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Caroline Bowler, you'll find me on, on LinkedIn, and that's a great place to, to, to tap in first and just tell me what's happening in your world and what's exciting and interesting. Um, and we can kind of share a bit from the, from the Aussie experience. Um, B2C market, we're b2cmarkets.net. I think that's probably going to just people by surprise, it's .com, but we're .net. When the guys first founded it, they come from a development and an IT background, and I think they thought that .NET was the way to go, and so that's how come we are a few smugglers.net. But you can find us there. You can find us on social channels, the usual, the the Twitters, the LinkedIn's, the Instagrams, etc. Um, and and come and and have a conversation with us and tell us about what's happening in your world and um the exciting things that that you know the things that keep you up at night in in a good way. Um, we want to hear all about it. I think that's the thing, you know, we are in different time zones and we are quite far away geographically from everybody too here in, 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 in Australia. But, you know, there's no reason why we can't keep abreast of everything that's happening elsewhere in the world and kind of share from our own experiences too. Yep. And we're both sitting at our kitchen tables right now. 
So, Excellent. Uh, so I have let's talk to you, Melvin. <laughs> nice. So th thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE and on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.